take a step back and look about the things that you've been through and just like really like try not to overlook it. Like for me, like I was like, I overlooked cancer. I'm like, yeah, I was just cancer, whatever. But like recently, like I, I looked at like, oh my God, like I did this and I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And like, oh my God, I'm here now. And just look at the things that just like I, that I've done, like who I am as a person, just like, like ask yourself that, like I've done all these things and I'm here now. Like, I've done this, this, and like, that's like the biggest thing that I've taken away from like, just look back at the things that you've done in your life and just like, wow, I am so proud of myself. And just like, I love myself for who I am. Like I've, d- I've done that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so crazy. podcast with Mary Griffin. I am here with Alex Para, who is a two-time cancer survivor, a U.S. para swimmer, and I actually found him weirdly enough on TikTok. I know that sounds really weird, but that's just kind of how our paths cross, you know, good little DM. And I was just like, he's a cancer (laughs) survivor. I would love to talk to him. His story is absolutely incredible. I'm so, 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 so excited for you guys to listen to this. It's already a story that I literally watch on TikTok so much, but, um, yeah, I'm just so excited. It's super inspiring. Alex is amazing. So uh, yeah, Alex, I'm so happy you're here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, so I think I'm just really excited about this episode because I am a cancer survivor myself. And I think just talking to fellow survivors is just like this whole deeper connection and deeper level of just flow and just understanding each other so if you just want to give us a little bit of background of who you are where you grew up where you're from how swimming came into your life I think that would be a really good place to start yeah of course so my name is Alex Parra even though Mary already introduced me Um, I'm 20 years old right now Um, I grew up in Roswell California here on the west coast Um, I've been swimming for the past like seven years now I never really don't really remember what got me into it I think my parents kind of just growing up where I was like, Hey, you're going to do a sport. And I was doing like karate and then basketball and then football. And then my, my, my staying tired of football. Cause I was a lineman. I just got ran over all the time. <laughs> so well, like, you know, I was just swimming. Cause you know, that seems more fun. And then like, and then I started that freshman year of high school and here we are now Yeah, trying to get yeah, shooting for the Paralympics and just trying my best. <laughs> yeah. What's your event? So I'm backstroke and a breaststroke right now. Backstroke and a breaststroke. Okay. I have some mm-hmm. swim friends. I'm not too familiar on the terms, but they try to educate me. Okay. This is like <laughs> hard strokes. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. too much. <laughs> dying by uh, the yeah, that's awesome. I loved all the little sports you played. That's so cool. Um, so let's just jump right into your story where it all began. And mm-hmm. it started in 2016 when you just got a weird knee pain. Um, walk us through how that all started, where the transition came into where started from just a little knee pain to being like, okay, this is serious. Let's get it checked out. Yeah. So in the summer of 2016, I'd be swimming every morning in the, in the summer. So practice be like seven to nine in the morning, like Monday through Friday, like you're not the most fun summer, but I was a lifeguard at the time. So I went to work and I'd be teaching kids how to swim. So then all of a sudden my knee starts hurting. Like it hurt to like get out of the pool and it hurt to like walk a little bit told my coaches and my mom, like, you know, they're like, okay, like, you know, just ice it, elevate it, take some pain meds, just like your routine stuff that you do when you're anything hurts, honestly. And then I told them that for like a good two months. And like, you know, I think we just, you just want to get out of practice. Huh? I'm like, well, yeah, like I don't want to swim in the morning, but my knee really hurts. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, okay, well, okay, let's just, let's use a pool buoy. So let's not use your legs. And then now it's just, let's not really swim at all. Let's just kind of see what you could do in the water. I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, like the first week of junior year and like August or something, my mom, my mom, she's all tucking me into bed and stuff. Like there's this huge lump on my knee. 
And now my mom's like, okay, that's never been there. And you said your knees been hurting for like two months now. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. finally got an x-ray on like Friday. It was, and um, that's when like everything really changed. So like Friday we got the x-ray and then Monday, my, you know, my, my dad came back from work and then I got like a bone scan, then CAT scan, then MRI and all these different scans. Like, wow, my knee must be really messed up. You know, being 15 at the time, I didn't really know what was going on. So I'm like, okay, I'm just getting whatever scans and stuff. And then the next thing you know, I, I'm putting to this room full of doctors and they sent me down and like, Hey, you have, um, you have bone cancer or osteosarcoma. And that's when everything really began. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy, like just started with this weird pain in your knee. So, I mean, you touched upon it a little bit. You were getting scan after scan, 15 years old. You probably don't know what even a CT scan, what all these <laughs> yeah. scans really mean. I, I mean, like, I was just like, oh, okay, like sign me up for any appointment. You guys are professionals. <laughs> um, so when they sit you down, I mean, it's a room full of doctors. It's not mm. just one doctor. It's, there's so many people that just want to hear about it, that want to learn from the main doctor taking over. And there's so many different parts that go into telling someone this type of news. Yeah. So what was kind of going through your mind prior to the appointment where they had the results? So like before the appointment, like it was just before, like before I even found out, like my, yeah, before, my, my, yeah. Yeah, I honestly had no idea what was going on. Like my parents were weird over the weekend because that, that Friday I got the x-ray. And at that point, my parents already knew just because like they couldn't tell me because they weren't sure yet. But my parents found out first because I was a minor and they were just weird the whole weekend. Like it was just something just clicked. I'm like, okay, I'm like something must be really wrong. Like I don't really know what's happening. And then they just told me I'm going to get all these scans. I'm like, okay. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to get these scans. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah. just like, my name must be really messed up. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like ignorance is bliss. Honestly, like if you may have started putting two and two together, you might've been a little freaked out more so. <laughs> so you get sat in this room with all these doctors and they tell you, like, you like to say it, like those three words, you have cancer. What yeah. was that initial reaction? Like when you first heard those three words, I was just scared. Like I, I, all, all you by 15 all you really know about cancer is like cancer and death that's all yes that's all that. yes literally i'm like <laughs> that was my first question too i was like am i gonna die and they were like yeah no like i was like okay like i just thought cancer death like just correlate yep. but no there's a lot more that goes into it especially mm-hmm. at 15 wow yeah, yeah. so I, like I, I asked them my odds I'm like okay we have a 40 60 chance so like you're 40% chance they're going to survive and you have 60% you're going to die. I'm like, okay, well crap. Like, and like, yeah, if it's best to your lungs and then it gets really bad. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> like, I don't really know. Yeah. Like I was just freaking out. So like then the biggest thing that I wanted to do, I got diagnosed on like that Tuesday or something. And I'm like, we're just driving home. Like we're, I was just crying that whole meeting and stuff. And I, I went home and then my, my mom was like, well, do you want to go to school tomorrow? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you went to school the next day? So, so I went to school oh, the next day. Oh, my like, God. I just wanted things to be normal. Like, yeah, I, think I, I totally felt, relate like, to that. I was just, I just wanted things to be so, like, normal. I didn't want to be treated differently. Then I, yeah. I went I went to school, like, the next day, like, in a wheelchair. And my friends were all pushing me around and stuff. Oh, and then wow. um, <laughs> I didn't post anything yet. And I was, you know, everyone was like, why are you in a wheelchair? I'm like, I have cancer. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> It literally will start make anyone silent in the first, like, 10 seconds. They're just like, oh, okay. Like, like I don't know what to say. Like, I, I didn't know how to, you know, deal with it. Then yeah. It was like the day after, yeah. like, 24 hours after. Like- <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, gosh. Wow. I mean, 15. And, I mean, I totally understand the sense of, like, getting wanting to be distracted, wanting to be around, and wanting just, like, a normal life. Like, mm-hmm. this is not normal 15. Like, that is the... <laughs> opposite um so you get diagnosed it's the last last thing you probably expected um what were the next steps in that journey and what was kind of like the game plan 
yeah so that day they kind of told me you know you're gonna have like 17 sessions of chemo you're gonna go for like the next like seven eight months or something like that and i'm like okay like well when do we start like the this like, like, like mid-august or something like okay so i, I wanted to my, but the biggest thing I wanted to be like, okay, I'm going to take control. I'm going to shave my head first. And I, you know, I'm going to, going to, you know, the cliche, like, as they, I'm, I'm in control. I'm going to yeah. shave my head. So I shaved my head and we went to the, the place. I got home. My grandma saw me. She started crying. Cause like, oh. she knew it was like, that's when it really hit her. I'm like, yeah, oh man. <laughs> so then, um, that's when like chemo really started hitting and my hair was growing back. And I remember getting like my first double dose of chemo and that just hits you so hard. Cause like, you're just getting double the dosage of like the amount of chemo that you're getting. And that, that was just brutal. Yeah. But it was kind of like your mindset going into chemo where you're like, I mean, it's such a, a weird stance because chemo, it literally destroys your body, but at the same time, it's helping your body and keeping you yeah. alive. Was like, what kind of was your mindset? Like through that, keeping a positive mindset. I mean, you just feel like shit on chemo is, yeah. is what I've heard. Like it, it you feel mm-hmm. just ill like so did you try your best to like keep this positive mindset i mean you said you like take control like this cancer doesn't have control over me is that kind of just like your approach of being like i'm gonna suit up and be this badass and just (laughs) take chemo on like a champ (laughs) yeah that was that was was the way i approached it at the beginning because that was like the biggest thing that i that i noticed early on like okay like if i think negatively then everyone else is like feeling crappy for me so i'm like okay like i don't want i don't want people's petty like i don't want people to feel bad like i want to i want to be able to everyone around me smile and like, you know, have us like approach this just like, you know, like another day, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like there's nothing, nothing too crazy going on. Even though it totally. <laughs> yeah. It's just your average day. Yeah. I mean, you, what you just said, I totally like, I think that's such an important message is like when someone's going through something shitty, it's so easy to adapt to the energy around you. So if mm. the people around you are pitying you or acting like, oh, woe is me, then it's so easy to adapt that energy and be like, oh my God, like life does suck. Like I, I I am sad. Like, and I think like, obviously it's important to feel out those emotions, but Mm. at the same time, like if people are just pitying you the whole time, it's really easy to fall into that hole. I don't know if that's how you felt, but Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what was your approach when it was like, I mean, chemo just sucks. Like, did you ever have a day where you were like, ah, I'm just so done. Like, I'm just so frustrated. Life's unfair. Like, how did you approach those days and kind of keep that realistic mindset of like, it's really not all sunshine and rainbows. Like I'm trying to put on this brave face. Yeah. There, 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 there always be times where I'm like, okay, like there'd be times where I'd I'd be, I'd be putting on that mask for like so long. I'm like, okay, this is really hard. Like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to survive. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months. I don't know like where I'm going to be like in a year or two. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. Uh, all I know is that I'm going to chemo on these days. I'm going back home and I'm going back again to chemo. Like that, th- there were days a lot where I'm like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, and then I'm like, it would just, it would just be so crappy. Like, you know what I mean? Like it would just, I was in such this dark spot in my life and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I didn't want to, like, yeah, I'd get all these messages being like, you know, like, stay strong, like, stay positive, like, stay strong, stay positive and stuff. I'm like, okay, like, I know that, but I'm like, I, like, I, I want someone to understand how I'm feeling right now. And it's, it was so hard to kind of like open up to people and just yeah. really, tell them how I was feeling and when I did it helped so much so like staying in that hole like was like uh, it helps me in a way just to kind of like see where I'm at but then getting out of it was like the hardest part and but it was it helps me the most was the biggest thing yeah exactly did you have like someone you felt like you could lean on or just um a support system in that way where you're like I can be my full authentic breakdown self when times are tough yeah, yeah, my really close group of friends that I actually met on Xbox like seven years oh. ago. So whenever I came home, like, because I, I couldn't go to school, so like the only people that I had were just people I had online. 
So I met these yeah. guys like in 2012 on like whatever Xbox like game we were playing, like Uncaught or something. And then oh God, I've been wait, friends with them ever since. That so. is so amazing. Wow. I love <laughs> so that. So every time I'd hop on, I'm like, hey man, just want to tell you how I'm feeling and stuff. And my friend Eddie, he'd always be there for me. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. That is so, I love that like Xbox Super Friends. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, that's awesome. So you go through chemo, the first couple st- uh, rounds of chemo. And the doctors sit you down and tell you that the chemo is not actually working and that they are going to need to take a different approach where you're left Mm -hmm. with this decision of either getting your knee replaced or completely amputate your leg. So you are faced with that decision. Talk to us about how you came to terms with the decision you made Mm -hmm. and also just like why you made that decision. Yeah. So once they told me that, that's where... My parents and my me like really didn't know what to do. So my parents, like my dad sent me down once they found out like, okay, listen, like you're 15. This is the, yeah, you're, you're young, but this is your life. You need to make this choice. And my dad told me like, you know, I don't want to hear 20 years from now that you hate me because I chose this decision for you. So my dad, you know, all my parents could do is that they could just introduce me to these people that had a knee replacement or had an amputation that I'd, I'd have to make a choice. So I met I met people that had a new replacement first. And like, there's one that was older, like he was like 40. And then there was one, like, like he was 20 years old when I was 15. And then there's like another guy that I can remember. And like, they all told me how they lived their lives. And like, you know, how like the life I wanted to live, I wanted to be active. I wanted to swim. I didn't want to have any restrictions. I didn't want to have any, like, you know, these, like these things that were stopping me. I wanted to just always shoot for the stars and just try my best at anything that I could do. So for me, a new replacement didn't seem like the best choice. Cause like it would always break. And then you had to, you had to get like surgery to get replaced. It, and then every, however many or so years you have to get a new one and like go on for surgery all the time like you know what? i don't want to live that life and then uh, my parents introduced me to like a guy that you know graduated the police academy with one like then you know, he's like he lost his leg like, in the army or something and then this other guy that's you know biking and swimming and doing all these other things then i met this other girl whose also name is alex who swims like i do and who horseback rides and who runs and bikes and she's 13 like two years younger than me i'm like oh my god like that is what i want to do like i want to do this so I, to me, you know, making the dumb decision that I couldn't, I know I have a coin somewhere. So I, I flipped No, you coin. did not. You did not flip a coin. So the one thing that I always do now is I, I, whenever I'm stuck between two decisions that I flip a coin, cause like the moment you flip a coin, the, your gut's already telling you what you want on the answer. So like, this coin here, you kind of see it, but um, oh, it says what it says. God. It says, go confidently in the direction of your dreams, live the life you imagine. So it's such a great, and you that's know. the that's the coin you flipped. <laughs> that one right there. Yeah. So, so the I, second you flip this coin in the air, yeah. What did you say was amputation? What did you say was what was so the quote amputation? This face was knee replacement, and then this face was amputation, like the, the oh. lettering. And it landed oh. on knee replacement. And like I'm like, crap. But you, but you knew you didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not doing that. So like okay. <laughs> so flipping a coin isn't necessarily to get you your answer, but to get you to know what you actually want. Yeah. Got it. Yep. All right. I'm gonna yep. try that one out. All right, that's good to know. So you flip it and it lands on knee replacement. You're like, yeah. no, I was hoping it landed on amputation. Yeah, I'm like, no, I want to amputate my leg. That's not what I want to do. <laughs> and that's how you decided to amputate mm-hmm. leg. Wow. Yeah, that's like that was the biggest thing that I do now. I'm like, hey, you 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 know you like you know your gut feeling, like you know what it is, but sometimes it's hard to like, kind of figure that out. So I'm like, okay, let me flipping a coin helps a lot. Which, okay. You know, good to know. You never I mean, thought like a big decision like that would be the most optimal choice, but <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wait, I love that. I'm going to have to try it. Um, so I love the approach of like, okay, I, I like how you got to meet different people and kind of mm-hmm. see where their journeys took them and see yeah. different results from the decisions that you had at hand. So 
the amputation decision came from you still wanting to be active. I mean, you're 15 and that's such an age where you're like, nothing's going to stop me. I know what I want. I know what I need for myself. So, I mean, I just love that. Like, that's the approach that you had where you're like, uh, this is the life. Like I need to be active. I do not want to be held back. And and amputation ultimately seemed to be the best decision for you. So you go in for to amputate your leg and, walk us through that surgery what happened after was it the right decision just tell us that story yeah so my original surgery date was november 20th which is also my birthday so it was a great birthday present um (laughs) so i'm originally from daily city i moved here when i was like two so i'm 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 san francisco at heart but uh, so we were down there and that's what surgery is and you know we're all we're all celebrating my birthday and like the big day and like the night before it's like 10 o'clock at night we're celebrating stuff then i'm talking to my parents at night and all of a sudden I can't understand English. Like we have no idea what's, I have no idea what's going on. So then I, I laid down in my, they put me down in my cousin's room and then they like sit me down and stuff. And then all I remember is just being woken up by ambulance and like firemen. And apparently I had a seizure for like three minutes or something like that. And to this day, like they, they didn't really know why it happened. This was like a meningitis infection or brain infection or something like that. But I had to be rushed back to Roseville. So like a two hour drive at 10 o'clock at night, my dad says, yeah, I'm going like 90 on the freeway following this ambulance. You know what I mean? And then, um, my surgery then got pushed back a week later on, and then I, get, I had to like do another round of chemo real quick. And then I, my surgery was December 1st. So that's when I got my leg amputated, but it's just like something that I have, like, after, you know, and I never thought would happen. But yeah. um, once the surgery happened, I, I, I woke up and the surgeon told me like, Hey, we had to cut higher up your leg because your cancer was spreading. And if you never chose, uh, if you chose a knee replacement, I would have never seen that tumor that was spreading up your leg. And I don't know where you'd be two months from now, three months from now, like, you know what I mean? So thank God he chose amputation because we were never seeing a spread. That coin flip, just, man, yeah. it, it came in handy. I mean, yeah. you really chose the right decision. I mean, it's just crazy that God forbid you chose the knee replacement mm-hmm. and they couldn't have found the uh, cancer that was spreading and yeah. the results could have been drastically different. So, mm-hmm. and that's still so scary of the unknown of if you had a seizure, if that, that's really scary. Yeah. I did not know that part of the, story mm-hmm. um so you wake up your leg is cut off higher than you expected mm-hmm. was that did that come as a really big shock was it a really big drastic difference in terms of like what you could couldn't do or was it kind of the same approach of like hey we had to cut a little bit higher but it shouldn't restrict you uh based on the results we told you prior yeah so like, i didn't really see an issue with it i'm like oh, okay well my legs still missing so like, <laughs> yeah like <laughs> What's, what's like two inches going to do? Like, yeah, so I'm like, well, like, it's not that big of an issue. My legs still got it. So like, it was, it was a, it's a big problem. Like, cause like to me, like the like, one thing I really learned early on, like, okay, like if it's out of my control, like, well then what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Is that like, kind of like your approach to all of it? It's like focus on what you can control attitude. Yeah, if you can't control it. I, yeah, yeah. That's a huge thing I believe on like you. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard thing to do, like to learn to let go of the things that you can't control and to learn to focus on things that you can which is something that's like really hard to do. But I feel like once a lot of people can get that down, like the the way that you look at things is just so like different once you think like that. And it's just like, it's a lot easier to approach things. Yeah. It's just really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you grounded for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, the next step in your journey was obviously learning how to walk again. Mm-hmm. So what, what did that look like? I'm sure there was a lot of PT, like lots and lots of physical therapy. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what is it, what is it like to actually learn how to walk again with only one leg? Yeah. So during chemo, so I lost my leg December 1st and uh, I still, I was still set up to chemo to finish on May, May 22nd was the biggest thing. So I still had like a good six months left of chemo. 
And like, I remember when I first got back from the surgery, like I got a, I got out of room, my, my, I got out of bed in the morning and I was putting my shoes on. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, I only need one shoe. I got one shoe. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Like, I only have one leg. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. That's what it, that's what it really hit. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're like, oh, life. look down. You're like, oh, I only actually need, is it your left or right leg that's missing? It's my, it's my left leg that's missing. <laughs> okay. You're like, I only need my right shoe. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> So learning to walk was a little, it was a huge issue during chemo because like during chemo, you're constantly like losing weight or gaining weight with water weight and stuff. And like you're always, you always have like so much water weight and you're always like bloated or not bloated and stuff. So my stump would also fluctuate as well. So like the water weight would go into my stump and I wouldn't, the way that your prosthetic works is like, you kind of probably show you here, but this is like my socket. And this is what's like fitted to the shape of my stump. Oh, it's like perfectly fit. So it's like a, it's literally like a paper mache model of your stump, essentially. So if you gain weight, all of a sudden you can't put your leg on. Mm -hmm. So during the six months from December to May, I couldn't really put my leg on because it would either be too uncomfortable or I, I just couldn't fit it. <laughs> like I just couldn't wear my leg because wow. of my, I'd be fluctuating. So I didn't really start walking again until I be, after I beat cancer until June of 2017 was the biggest thing. So that's it was so interesting. Yeah, so your it was, it was leg a long... is fluctuating so much that yeah. you honestly couldn't even use the um... yeah the leg that I yeah. had. Wow! So you were just like so... crutches? Like was that? Yeah. It? So I, I I tried my best. I would literally, if I walked like a good twenty five yards, I'd be drenched in sweat because it took so much out of me because I just wasn't used to it yet. That's yeah. the biggest thing because like your your leg, your prosthetic legs, like you get like ten pounds, that your stump has to move and your whole body has to move it. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, literally double the work. I mean, it's like I, a whole workout. Every I'm time sure your right walk. leg got like really strong, like really <laughs> muscular doing the double work. Um, so June rolls around and you're cancer free. Is it mm -hmm. May or June? You're cancer. Yes. Yeah, so may I be cancer? Yeah. May you be cancer. Mm -hmm. And so you beat cancer and actually it's that next step of like, okay, I beat cancer, but now I need to learn how to walk again with my leg because yeah. I wasn't able to during chemo. So what was that like, um, that, that type of what, that part of your, yeah, it, it was, it was really hard and it was frustrating too, because like your socket has been a certain way and it's like your body's sitting on it. Like any type of pain you have, you have to communicate it with your doctor and then you have to Get an appointment then you have to go in then i was like okay hopefully this fixes the issue and if not let's do another appointment next week so it's always these you're constantly going back and forth into these appointments like and then your leg hurts then you can't put your leg on and then you have to put your leg on and then it hurts and it doesn't hurt and it's like okay like am i comfortable like it's like just these little things that i never thought i'd have to deal with like walking again like all these different like uncomforts and like frustration on how to walk because like every time i i put my heel down on my prosthetic leg if it doesn't i could fall all these different factors i have to think of whenever i walk compared to just you know I was before I'm like, okay, I just walk. <laughs> you know, but now I'm like, okay, yeah. I have to think like, yeah, heel strike and then move and yeah. move my leg forward and move my hip forward and then do this. Like all these different bits and pieces that I have to think about now to move. It's just mm -hmm. like, so like frustrating to deal with that at first. So it was a, definitely a frustrating process at the beginning. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It wasn't easy at all. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat yeah, don't it. Don't sugarcoat it. No, <laughs> yeah. well, it wasn't easy. I'm sure. It's something that like, even the littlest thing like that, we take for granted in the sense mm -hmm. of like, you just walk, you don't really think about it. Um, and like now you had to rewire like your muscles, you had to rewire your brain even yeah. like to tell you what to do and what your doctors are telling you to do, what your physical therapist is telling you to do. So yeah. obviously it was really frustrating and it wasn't an easy journey. So what was your approach in terms of mindset and keeping that, like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and getting over those days or phases that, um, may have been like really, really hard. Yeah. So my, my biggest thing was just like, I was trying to be as patient as I could and just kind of like the biggest thing too, like during chemo and just like life in general is like one thing that I really 
never really noticed until like this year is I, I, I'm really like, I look forward to things. So I'm like, okay, like during chemo, like, man, I can't wait to be done. Like, I can't wait to swim again. Like, I can't wait to like, you know, be cancer free. Like you can't do that. And then like, all I remember doing is like, okay, like I'm looking forward to this thing. And now it's a goal. And now I'm focusing on this goal every day. And now I'm looking forward to something every day. And that's just like, it was such like a great way to cope with things. So I'm always like, man, I can't wait to, you know, swim. Like, now I'm like, oh my gosh, like now I'm swimming. Like, now I can't wait to go to Paris. Like now I'm focusing on this every day. And now I have this goal that I have in mind every single day. And now I'm trying to hone on it and focus on it and just like accomplish yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I like that. Yeah. There's so always something like, to look forward to. Yeah. So like, going. <laughs> just got to find so, what motivates you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's walking. So, I'm like, okay, like, yeah. you know, I can't wait to get this down. Like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, it's, it's a hard process. Like I have to feel all these little things, but I'm trying to be patient with it and just, you know, try and do my best as much as I can and just work with what I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, what was like the time frame of like when you could say that you're like, Oh, I, I got this. Like, I know how to walk around now. Like I got it figured out. Mm-hmm. So from, let's say like June is when I really started. So I didn't, but I went, I started going back to school again in August of 2018 or 2017 and that's like a good like i didn't have walking down until like a good maybe september october that's when i had like really i was really comfortable going honestly i feel like i I mean you know more than me but like i feel like that's pretty impressive a couple months like a half a year about (laughs) like that's pretty impressive there there would be times at school where my leg would fall off i remember one time i was going down the stairs and like the math hall and my leg just no way just the leg not you yeah just just my prosthetic just falling down the stairs like ah (laughs) oh my god you're just like oh that's my leg i'll get it (laughs) oh my god that is insane um But I mean, so all this time, like you're learning how to walk again, you're shifting this whole new like obstacle in your life. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I just beat cancer. So did you also like find time to celebrate and just kind of look back and be like, I was part of that 40%. Like I beat like the odds and like, were you just kind of like, wow, like what, what the heck just happened? And at Mm. the same time, like I just beat cancer. Like, heck yeah. Yeah. Like we really celebrated like the the day we found out that was about it like it didn't really like i didn't for me like cancer was just like a huge part of my life like growing up so i'm like okay cool like i'm done finally <laughs> like it wasn't like a day where like we really like I, we celebrated but like it didn't really hit me until recently honestly i'm like okay like, like back then i'm like okay cool i'm finally done like i can finally do these things that i've been looking forward to you know what i mean it's like a little bump in the road that's what it kind of <laughs> feels like i'm just like oh that was a, that was a lot for me like it's over now like yeah. but like really it is a really big part of your life and like mm doesn't really hit you until after like you're just kind of going through the mo- motions of it all yeah and then it just hits you at the least expected time mm-hmm. um which i mean it's just so exciting that beat cancer overcame this obstacle so a lot of people we were talking about this prior but um i think it's really interesting that a lot of people who are unfamiliar with cancer maybe not have that close connections to it aren't aware of what um being cancer free entails and that is actually mm-hmm. like you technically aren't like cancer free until your five year post. Um, and every single year you get a certain number of scans for you. It's every three months for me, I get scanned every six months and I, I still am like, I'm cancer free, but like technically it's the, uh, until the five year mark. So yeah. you were getting these read read. Uh, oh my gosh. Routine scans every three months and yeah. about a year goes by and you're clear. Every three months looks good. And then you get to your senior year, your graduation, life is looking good. And then the night of your senior year graduation, you guys go to Disneyland, which is mm. awesome. And you get your call back regarding the scans. 
Walk yeah. us through that call. Walk us through what that entailed. Yeah. So the the first time I got diagnosed, my my dad would leave for work. So he'd go to he he works in San Francisco. He goes there for four days, comes back for four. And when he, when he came back from work, that's when I knew like I'm like okay, I'm like my dad's come back from work, something's wrong. And then he came back for work because the the X ray was the biggest thing. He found out the results. So the second time was that when um, so we graduated high school, we go to Disneyland for the night and we get back. I had my scans like a good week before graduation. And I, for, for me, like my, my scans, like, okay, whatever. It's just my routine scans. Like my cancer is not going to come back. Like I've done, I've done all these things. I've eaten healthy. Like I've swam, like, wow, like it's, I'll be fine. <laughs> so, um, that was the biggest thing, but, um, I totally forgot to mention this as well. Um, so in, in November of 2017 is when I got my second phone call. And that is when they told me that you have three, you have four nodules on your lungs and you, we have to do lung surgery because it could be cancer. So like, it's your choice. Do you want to wait until January of like 2018 or do you want to do the surgery now? It's November, 2017. So I'm like, no, let's do surgery now. I don't want to risk it. Let's see what these four spots in my lungs are. So my, I had lung surgery for the first time before I ever got diagnosed. And my surgeon tells me like, Hey, we found three, we got to found three out of the four nodules on your lungs. So it was like old cancer cells, lymph nodes, and scar tissue. But it was old cancer cells. So there was cancer in my lungs before the prior and chemo must've killed it. But, and we found three of them. We couldn't find one. We extended the surgery and we couldn't find this one nodule. I'm like, okay, like what, what, what like, is it? Where is like, it? Like, like where, where the, the, is it cancer? Like, is it not cancer? Yeah. Like, where are you fine? Like, well, like, hopefully it's nothing. Like, you know, we found three of them. Like we're, we're crossing our fingers. That's nothing. I'm like, okay. So that was in November, 2017. Then January comes along and like, we're fine. And then like March, I get my first phone call. I'm like, okay, we're clear. And then the second scan was in June. And that's when I got those scans. And then when I got back from graduation, it's when I got that phone call. And then like my dad came back from work and the moment I saw him, I'm like, Oh crap. It's bad. Like my, 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 my dad didn't say a word. Like I told my, like, I like my dad in the eye. Like it's bad. Isn't it? He's like, he just didn't say anything. Like, fuck. like, like yeah. I, that, that drive to the hospital was just so quiet. I'm like, damn, this, this sucks. Like I, I already knew before we even went to the appointment. Cause the moment I saw my dad, I just, I knew something was wrong and it was nothing. They told me I need to come in tomorrow. So I'm like, okay, like this is, this is going to be bad. This is, this is not a happy appointment. This is not like, okay, how you been Alex? Like, no, this is like, yeah. this is some real stuff that's going to happen during this appointment. So I go into the appointment and they sent me down. My lung surgeon is there. And like, you know, they tell me those three words all over again that I never thought I'd hear. <laughs> so, yeah. and then they tell me like, you know, um, they told me I was declared terminal and like, you know, stage four lung cancer. And like, you know, all these things I didn't think I'd hear. You have like a 10% chance to live. And the reason why I was declared terminal was because prior in November of 2017, six months ago, I had lung surgery and like, like, Hey, since you've had a lung surgery this past month, the past like six months, and now you're having it again. And I think now the spots are showing up again. This is why you're terminal. This is why you have stage four. I'm like, crap, like, like come on. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the, that's when I was just really, I was just so mad. I wasn't even like scared. I'm like, I was scared, but I was just, just I was so upset. And I was so like, it was, yeah. wasn't the news I wanted to hear. It was the biggest thing. Yeah. Just like frustration. Like, God, like I had to go all through this again, like kind of yeah. anger, like at the universe, like angry that like, why, like why, why again? And yeah. that, I mean, also seeing your dad, like that, that, like the look on their face, like, it's just, it's just really, really hard. And yeah. um, I think that's something like just the thoughts racing your mind, like not knowing. And, and then you get told that news and then also your news was really drastic. Like you, you were told you might, you have a 10% chance of living. Like yeah. say your first approach was frustration. And then mm -hmm. 
it was obviously like a crucial, like we need to get to work right now. Like we need to start taking like precaution now. So what did that next like step look like for you? Yeah. So that, um, during that time, that day we had to choose like, which kind of form, what form of treatment we wanted. So my lung surgeon that was there from November, because that was the initial bill. It was November when I had that first lung surgery. So now he was there and he was telling me like, okay, like these are your options to, for, for you to stay in California. They want to keep the tumor in you because they want to see how this treatment is going to affect the tumor. See, they want to see if it's going to shrink or not. Like you're for the, all, all I had was guinea pig options basically, because I can't do chemo because I lost my leg. That's what they told me. Like, you know, it didn't work. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so wow. like, so you need to choose a clinical trial. So the there's new forms of treatment coming out. There's like, you know, phase one to phase four and like phase four, they have everything unlocked. And phase three is like, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. Like, it's just like phase one, like they don't really know what this treatment's going to do. So if you were looking for like a phase three and phase four trial, so there's one in California, like St. Jude's, but they want to keep the tumor in me. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, like cancer can spread, like, you know, yeah. And also like, I'm not, I'm not like a, um, like a, like what you said, a Guinea pig. Like, I don't want you to just see what happens. Like I'm not an experiment. Like (laughs) get it going. Yeah. So then the other treatment was in New York where they, they take the tumor out of me prior and I go there for however, like X amount of time. And then my lung surgeon, he tells me like, you know, you need to decide this today because I'm going on vacation for three weeks. And if you wanted to wait and, and decide after you can, but if, you, if you're not, let's do this. We could do the surgery tomorrow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. I'm like, screw it. No, let's do surgery tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not going to wait three weeks for you to get back from vacation. Like I understand like, you know, that's your life. Like nothing, nothing I can do control that. Like, which kind of sucks. But like, I'm like, but yeah, let's, let's do surgery tomorrow. So I did, did surgery the next day at the same lung surgery. So we just got the same spot where he cut me before in, in November. So he knew, which was good. Like he knew what he was doing was the biggest thing. Cause he knows my body is like, you know, since he did it before so that was that was nice it's kind of like it was comforting to know that at least mm-hmm. so he did surgery got the tumor out of me and then for new york now it was like i was like, i was applying for a college because for new york i have to be i have to be pediatric so i'm 17 and you know in june and i turn 18 in november so in this month period window that i have before i turn 18 we're all just it's a, like a phone call game so every phone call we get if you're not in new york we're just we're hanging up the yeah. phone, like family checking in. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we are waiting on a call. Like, yeah, we're just waiting on a call. Like, you know, I, they've told me I have three months left to live. Hopefully the taking the tumor out of me reduced that time or like gave me more time. But like, so every phone call we got like three months, I might not even be here. So like, we yeah. finally get a phone call from New York in like late July saying like, yeah, you're going, you've been approved for treatment. You're going to be going to New York for seven, eight months. And you know, like, this is your, this is like, oh my, oh my gosh, I have a chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You were literally waiting for a phone call to see if honestly, like if your life was going to continue. So that is just, I mean, speechless. I honestly, I don't even know how to like respond to that at some point, but so you were told you have three months left to live 10% chance of survival. Was there ever a point when you were like, I am not going to be here in three months. Like where you're like, I, my life is not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like it, you lost that sense of hope. And I mean, the yeah. small sliver of hope, but yeah, that was like the biggest thing. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm literally going to be, I'm not going to be here by the end of the year. What is the biggest thing? Like, I was so scared. Like I, like the, when I found out all I saw, like I wanted to tell people, like, I wanted to like, you know, have people support just for them to like, uh, just have someone talk to. And then I was going to like, I was going to post on Instagram or whatever. Then all I see, like, congrats, we graduated. We did it guys. Congrats. We made it like, yeah. Like, woo, like let's, let's show you our new yeah. chapter. I'm like, Ah, it's, yeah, so I, like I, everyone's like in a whole different chapter in their life. Like, yeah, so like I, so I, I, I ended up not telling anyone. Like I kind of kept it under wraps. Like I did, I just didn't let people know because there's because like I didn't, it didn't feel right for me. Like so I didn't tell people. So I told like my close group of friends that you know that really knew me and stuff. And like, hey, like you know, this is what I'm going through right now. 
you know what I mean? Like, like, oh crap, like, you know, this is like what I have to deal with. And like, there were times where a lot, like we're, it was just really hard. Like, and like, I would always tell my friends, like, like listen, like, I might, what, what am I going to do? Like, well, what should I do here? Like, uh, like, dude, like I might die. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I literally might die by the end of the year. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So my, my, my friend Lissa, she helped me so much, like, kind of like take a step back, like, listen, actually, like, you know, just hopefully just, you know, pray, like, you know, try and look for the light, like, dude, just do your best. Like, you know, she'd always be there to like, tell me out, just really like, you know, collect myself and just see where I'm at. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank God you had the like support system, but like <laughs> when you told that close knit of group, like your closest friends, the odds were against your favor. Yeah. What was their reaction like? And what was kind of their approach from the opposite point of view? Yeah. So they were, they were really speechless. I remember like my closest friend, Eddie, he was just like, okay, like, listen, I'm going to be here as much as you need me to, like, whatever you want to do, like, let's do it. Like, cause he's far away. Like, you know, we're, we're only online. So we can't really like, you know, go out or something like, you know, so he's just like, Hey, whatever you need, like I'm here, I'm always going to be here for my talk or whatever. So it was just always nice to know that someone was there when I needed them was the biggest thing because like, I don't know what I'd do if he wasn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, Oh, I, I just, that's insane. So you get the approval for the New York treatment. You have a plan. You get to move, pick up your life. I feel like overnight and everything's <laughs> changed in like a blink of an eye. You mm-hmm. go to New York. What did treatment look like for you in New York? Yeah. So the way that treatment worked is that I would go there for a week and a half. And then I'd come back for three weeks. And then, so the, the first week that we went there, so it, it was a, it was a new form of treatment called immunotherapy. And what that does, it has your white blood cells attack your cancer cells. So the, they say your treatment will be like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you go in for like an hour, then you're done. Like, you don't have, it's not like chemo where you're there for a week and a half and like, you know, you don't leave the hospital until like Monday. So I'm like, okay, this is, hopefully this will be a lot nicer. So that first week we go in on that Monday and stuff. And then they tell us like, Hey, come in at like, you know, your appointments at 11 AM. So my mom being my mom was like, okay, we're gonna be there at 9 AM. So it's where they're early. And like we're in like room, let's say like seven or something. So the rooms that they have are like these big walls. They don't really have like, that doesn't connect to the roof. So you're kind of here what's going on in the room next to you. So like, you know, room one comes in, like, you know, you have seven doctors, they all, they like huddle into this big room here and like, you know, treatment lasts for like 30 minutes or something. So like every time for 30 minutes, it's, so it's pediatric. So for 30 minutes, you just hear these kids screaming and like in pain because the, the treatment is so painful. It's like, oh my God, what did we sign up for? Yeah, like, so, what are you about to get into? Yeah, so for 30 minutes, we hear this kid like crying in pain, like, oh my God. So room one then room two. And then it's like, you know, it's, and then it's 9.30 and then it's 10 o'clock and then room three, room four, room five. Like, oh shit, we're, we're room seven. Like, oh crap. <laughs> so, like, what did we just, like, what, yeah. what are we, so when my turn comes through and then it's like seven doctors huddle up into this room. We have one person watching the blood pressure, this person taking notes, this person with the stopwatch, this person, like if you need ice pads, heat, heating pads, whatever you need, water, whatever, like all these different doctors in my room. And like, once like this time hits, like, all right, ready to start. And then treatment starts. I'm like, oh my God, the, this, the pain that this treatment gave me because like, so the way it works is that my cancer cells were essentially all around my body. So my white cells would attack my cancer cells all around my body and attack my nerves as well. So for 30 minutes, I was just in this pain because like my, my cells are attacking me. It was the biggest thing. So it's just like this, I was constantly like ruling and just like bending over and just like trying to like, you know, cramping and just like, it's just really hurt into this like point where I couldn't, like, I didn't know what to do. So they, they put me on so many pain meds that day. And that was the first day. That was the only Monday. And I, I remember just waking up like, what the hell? <laughs> you do this for seven days. <laughs> yeah. So, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be treatment. So three, so three days of the week. So oh, then Wednesday comes along. I'm like, like oh God. <laughs> here we go again. Here we go again. So then Wednesday comes along, same thing. Like, you know, we get there a little bit early and then you hear these kids screaming and stuff. Then, you know, then it's my turn. 
And then you're just like, you're tensing up because the amount of pain it gives you. And then it's just like, your whole body is just being hit at the same time. Like there's, there isn't really like, there'd be pain in my neck and then be pain in my back and then be pain in my, my stomach and then here and then my arm and then my head. And then it's just like, there isn't a point where there isn't pain, which which really sucks. Wow. What is that so treatment that, called again? Immunotherapy. Yeah. Immunotherapy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that first week goes by and then they, they tell us, okay, you're going back home for three weeks. And then like, once we get home, like I, I, there wasn't really any side effects. Like it wasn't like chemo where I'm like, okay, like I'm so out of energy that I can't do this. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me try and go swimming. So for three weeks, like, you know, I tried, I tried my best. And then like, then there was also like the uncertainty of treatment. Like, is this treatment going to, cause like the, the doctors, I'm like, this treatment may or may not work. Like there was, there isn't a guarantee, but we're going to do our best. Like, you know, you don't have any other options, but okay, cool. So then when I got back, I'm like, okay, like, will this treatment even work? Like, is it worth it? Like, like, well, I don't really have any other options out there. So yeah. like, I have to push through it. And my doctor's telling me like, you know, if you want, if you ever want to stop treatment, you totally can. Like, you know, if you don't want to push through it, you can stop. I'm like, no, like, I don't want to stop. Like we have to keep going. So just all these different things that are going through my head when I got back, I'm like, okay, like, you know what, let's do it. So I tried swimming as much as I could. And like my mentally, I wasn't there. Like physically, I wasn't really there. So then I could like, okay, so I, I went like once or twice a week or something and then go back to New York for like the week and a half that we're there. And then like Monday comes along for the treatment stuff. And like, now this is other doctor comes in. She's like, okay, Hey, I'm going to try to meditate. I'm like, okay, sure. Like I'll take any, I'll any try help anything I can get. at this point, like <laughs> any help I can get, I'll take it. So she's like, okay, like, you know, you're going to control your breathing. Like you can imagine you're at this place and you're having this music playing. Like, you know, really trying to focus like your breathing and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. So then like the treatment starts and I'm like, I'm like meditating and stuff. And then like, I'm, I'm laying there. I'm like, okay, are we going to start treatment? Yeah. Like, like no way like, really your treatment ended 10 minutes ago i'm like what <laughs> so no i'm like way. you just said what <laughs> so, so apparently like i was in such like this meditative state during these 30 minutes that i didn't feel a thing so i'm like oh my god wow. <laughs> this, is, this is so cool so then wednesday comes along the doctor's came like hey where's that doctor like i want her i want her here it's so like okay cool so I'm like you know like breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out yeah. and then like you know it's like really like focus on like breathing and like you know meditating like helps so much and like they started to type and like it would hurt like a little bit but, like nothing compared to the first time I'm like okay this is cool yeah. <laughs> so, wait so, so it's like, like something like meditation something you kind of like brought into like everyday life now like yeah so, like, i mean if it got then, you like, through that treatment like, yeah no for sure that's so <laughs> so whenever like i'm anxious or i'm just like trying to like really relax like i'll meditate like there like when i first beat lung cancer like i kind of just really meditated every day it was the biggest thing but now i'm like okay like i, I kind of just do it whenever i'm really like stressed or like i need to like relax is the biggest thing that's so, so like oh i love that but that's wow. what that's what i did for like the next seven months is that every time i did treatment i'd meditate and then, like you have these doctors come from all around the, the world because they're trying to in, in, introduce immunotherapy into their whatever like a, like they're trying to ex- expand it is big thing so like these doctors would come in like home your story and like okay like the doctors would be like hey watch this kid so you share my you see my like my blood pressure just slowly drop down and like they're like shaking like are you okay I'm like yeah, i'm good <laughs> like, like my heart rate is so low because i'm just just re- it's such so like, like re- wow. relaxed like state <laughs> and stuff yeah. so like, like oh my god <laughs> so it, it was just so, so cool to like learn and just realize like how much like our body is like really capable of which i never thought it's like what your possible. mind is telling you like yeah like your so body can just... tolerate a lot more pain than you think mm-hmm. so that your mind like starts to, when it starts telling you like it hurts mm-hmm. you're like that's when it gets kind of shitty. But um, so what with this new therapy, did they was there like a time frame and like a set like point where there were where they knew like it was going to work, or was it until like they had to wait for like the seven months to really Yeah, so it was just it was mainly about like the seven months. Like this they they kind of just told me like you know the patients that we've had have all have all succeeded. They just kind of gave me like the data. Like there wasn't like there wasn't no guarantee, like no, these are 
the, the odds that we've had and like these are the, the results that we've had so like you know hopefully like you're in that same outlier kind of thing or whatever it's called it's like that's like all i really had so like so far it's been great <laughs> it's been, yeah so like that yeah. they said like you know once once january hits we'll be put down with treatment like you'll be good to go so i'm like okay cool sounds good to me <laughs> so was so like a normal situation that with your prior history with someone with stage four lung cancer would their first step be chemo but because of um you already went through chemo and you lost your leg you were unable to do chemo so is that like mainly the reason that you had to do this uh, specific treatment or is it because it was so bad that chemo wouldn't even done anything? Yeah. So for me, my, so my cancer came back in my lungs, but it was, it was osteosarcoma still in the lungs. So I had bone cancer, but then that bone cancer just ended up spreading to my lungs was the biggest thing. So it's not that I had bone cancer in my lungs, but it's just that the original tumor that I had ended up spreading to my lungs because that's where osteosarcoma spreads. So this treatment in New York was very specific for osteosarcoma patients that had you know, the lung cancer, you know, in there was the biggest thing. It wasn't just because I had specific lung cancer or just because the, the specific situation that I had, that's why I went there was the biggest thing. So for me, they, my doctors just told me that I couldn't do chemo the first, like, again, like they, they, it was an option, but like the, you could do it, but look, look where, you know, how, look how much it affected the tumor at the first time. I didn't do really do anything. So you had to amputate. So I'm like, mate, that, that won't be really an option this time is the oh, biggest okay. thing. Then they also yeah. gave me an option of radiation when I'm like, okay, like, well, those, those are also side effect where it could, you know, increase the tumor. I'm like, well, let's not risk that. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? it's, it's my lungs. Like, let's not, let's not even talk about that one. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so that, that our options. Wow. That, I mean, that's cr- incredible. So, I mean, you did eight months, seven, eight months of this new treatment, but kind of when that like three month point hit, were you kind of like, wow, like I'm not, I, there was a chance I wouldn't be here at this point. Like there was a chance that I wouldn't have made it to three months of this treatment. What was that kind of, what was going through your head in that sense of like, I'm, I'm going further than what they originally said. Yeah. That was really like mind blowing to me. Like, you know what? Like they may tell me like, I mean, I may may live however many months, but you know what? I'm going to keep living my life and I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm just going to kind of put it back and like, not look back. Like, you know, I'm just going to keep going and, you know, until I can't basically like, I'm not going to let these circumstances or these like you know choices or these odds like you know affect me at all like i'm gonna keep doing the things that i want to do and i'm not i'm not gonna let it stop me you know what i mean yeah. so like i like i don't want to like you know i'm gonna prove them wrong but like you know i'm just gonna live my life to the fullest and not let it stop me is the biggest thing yeah i love that um so you do the treatment and at the end of the seven eight months were you mm-hmm. officially cancer free and you officially beat your lung cancer yeah. So they, so I, I just beat treatment and like say you, you beat lung, you, you, I beat my lung cancer was the biggest thing, but now it's just like, you know, the whole like officially official thing, but it's so yeah. So to answer your question, yes, I beat lung cancer further um, oh. in January of 2019. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the officially official thing is like, so like touchy, like, ooh, it's like weird. Like, you know what what I mean? to say, <laughs> but like, I mean, like you're done treatment, you're in remission. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a that's really so good nice. way to put it. Um, so <laughs> was there ever a point like i'm sure you still think about it like where you sat back and you're like i'm in that 10% like i'm in that 10% that survived this yeah. what were your thoughts of being like it, it was me like did you always have that sense of hope of being like I, it's going to be me like i'm going to be in that 10% or were you just kind of like let's see what happens and like wow i'm in it yeah it was mainly like let's see what happens like it it didn't really affect me like it didn't really hit me it recently until like until this year because so this year was the fifth year when i was diagnosed the first time 
And then that's when I was kind of like recollecting myself and kind of just like looking back on everything. Cause like before I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm finally doing treatment. Like sweet time to move on to the next big part of my life. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been through so much. And like, for me, like cancer was just a big part of my life where I, I kind of like overlooked it. I'm like, okay, yeah, it was just, it was just cancer. You know what I mean? But like, it, it was, it was cancer. Like, yeah, like, like capital now, like, C, like it's <laughs> yeah. cancer. Like Not once, but twice, you know what I mean? And so yeah, it's so yeah. insane that I've been through it twice. And it's so like mind boggling for, to wrap my head around it. Because like, for me, it was just my everyday life. Like I couldn't like not go to it or I couldn't like not do it. It was just like, okay, this is what, this was my life. The next day after I got diagnosed, like I have to deal with it. And for me, like, there's just, there wasn't like, but for me back then, there wasn't really a time where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm a part of that 40% or I'm a part of that 10% or like, I'm a, I did this mm-hmm. until this year. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I, I beat cancer once. And then I beat it again. I'm like, oh my God, I'm here now. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, like it's, so, wild. it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, it kind of, like, I relate to the sense of like, it hits you later. And do you think you're in a state of like confusion or just like what the, like honestly like pardon my french but like what the fuck like what the fuck just happened like um like were you, are you just kind of like in that standpoint you're like wow like it, yeah, that really that, all really, just like was my life that's, that's really where i was like a couple months ago like it didn't really hit me until this year i'm like wow i really i did that i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so crazy <laughs> wow i mean i mean that's just so insane like being in that 10 percent um so you kind of, I mean, your life today is very, very amazing. And honestly, like what I didn't mention when you were just saying all that, that you swam during this treatment, this like <laughs> you had stage four lung cancer, but you're like, I'm going to try swimming. I was like, okay, <laughs> like go for it. Um, so obviously swimming's a really big part of your life and it is today. Mm-hmm. So, um, walk us through, I know you're training currently for the Paralympics to be a U.S. Paris swimmer. Um, I know you had to take like a pause for when training came, but just walk us through your decision to start training for that. I know it was before the lung cancer, but just walk us through that whole story. Yeah. So before, I mean, once I lost my leg, my, my biggest thing is like, okay, like I want to be active. I want to live this. I want to live this lifestyle. I don't want anything to stop me. So like the biggest thing I look forward to was swimming. It's like, I can't wait to swim again. And then like, I wasn't even thinking about like the Paralympics at the time. I was like, man, I just want to swim again. It was the biggest thing. That was like the one thing I look forward to. And like, once I beat cancer the first time, I, I went back to the pool. I was messing my leg. I was like, disease, I was zigzagging everywhere because I didn't know how to like, how, yeah. like move my core at all. Like, cause like this, this whole like weight is just off my my leg now. So like, okay, like how am I going to swim again? So I figured that out finally. And then I started swimming again a lot in like 2017. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's try and let's let's go for the Paralympics. Like, let's do it. Like it's 2017 right now. I have three years to do it. Let's let's shoot for the stars. Let's try and let's try and do it. So like, talked to my coaches. And then I had these goals and stuff. And then. The, I had that first lung surgery in November and then like that kind of pushed me back a little bit. And then January hit of 2018. And that's when I was swimming like, you know, 1 PM to 8 PM every day. Like I'd have fourth period swim for high school. And then I have after school practice and I have coaching for kids. And then I'd, I'd, I'd have my club practice. So I'd always, always be in the pool. <laughs> and then I went to state for high school. And then that's when I'm like, okay, cool. After, after state, let's grind for like two years in college. Then boom, we're done. And then we're out of here. And then that's when I got diagnosed. So once I beat cancer for the first time in 2019, that's when I kind of like took a step back. I'm like, okay, let's kind of see where I'm at. And just like, let's first, let's gain a lot of weight back because I only weigh like 120 at this time. Like the lowest weight I got to during chemo was like 96 pounds. And then I finally, I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm at 120 now. And like, my friends are like, how, how do you weigh 120? I'm like, well, I'm missing a leg. So there's a lot of weight that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, let's 2019. like, you know, that whole year, I'm like, okay, let's just try and gain some weight back. And then by the end of the year, 
I'm like, okay, let's, let's go back to swimming. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. Let's, let's try and let's try and go back into it and let's just kind of see where I'm at mentally and let's approach it again. So then I, I did that again and I was starting to train like really hard. I went to Colorado last year to qualify for, you know, the swimming to qualify for, for time trials and stuff. And then COVID hits. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so then now like the, this whole, like from, from 2020, like I was kind of just waiting on when to get back in the water again was the biggest thing. So I finally got back in the water like last week. So I'm trying to train now and just get back into my routine and just shoot for, shoot for the next Paralympics now. <laughs> yes. And you're going to do it. I believe in yeah, you. I'm so um, I mean, what a crazy turn of events. You're like, Oh, I can start training COVID stupid COVID. <laughs> honestly. Oh, I, know. Um, I mean, what you can be 2024 would be the next Olympics that you compete in. Okay. Yeah. We're training. We're getting there. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and that's crazy that you like just recently started training. So, mm-hmm. I mean, wish you the best of luck when you're like full on training and <laughs> closer and closer. Yes. I'm so excited for you. And so what's kind of like your approach of like training? Are you, do you think you have a different mindset when it comes to being like, I'm doing this for a reason? Like I'm doing this because I'm, I went through hell and back and now I like, I'm able to do all this like athletic fit stuff and I'm just going <clears> to <throat> do it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I have, a, I have a, bit, a different mindset now because I've definitely trained like crazy the whole like all this year and like the year before and like I'm definitely at a different point than I was compared to when I first started training. So like I've learned a lot about myself recently and just like, you know, mindset wise and just like, okay, like how I how I know to push myself and just how I'm always just really like pushing my my limit. Like I'm always like, okay, like, you know, I'll try biking or like I, I haven't tried that yet, but I really want to do that or I want to try this or I want to wrap like 130 pounds on me and I was like do like weighted dips or like I'll do handstands like you know even though it's hard but I'll, I'll learn how to do something and I'll push myself to do it every day like you know swimming now like okay like I know I know how to push myself and I know how to motivate myself and just you know mm-hmm. push yeah. myself to the goals I want to achieve it's the biggest thing I think there's like a different like appreciation or like sense of knowing of what your body can handle I know we talked about this a little bit prior in the episode but just like your body can take so much more and I'm like, it sounds stupid, but even when I'm like, what you said, like running or in practice, I'm like, and I'm in pain. I'm like, no, like I went through cancer. Like I can get through this 100. Like I can get through like this sprint. Like, and it's like, I've like, we pushed ourselves to a a certain different limit that like, I feel like there's just this whole other side of like appreciation of knowing like what we can handle. And like, just this sense of like toughness, like, it is so insane. And I just love like everything you just said. Um, I mean, correct me if you like disagree, but like, I do think there is like a whole different, like mental game to it. And we've grown a lot mentally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So just, um, a few like closing questions, uh, there are going to be like kind of like just deeper advice, deeper level questions. Mm -hmm. Um, this is something that I personally like struggle with and I still don't know the answer to so I'm really excited to hear what your approach is when it comes to this but when you look back on your cancer journey or look back like just of what everything you've been through do you ever feel like this was supposed to happen to you like this was meant for you honestly like not necessarily like it was meant to happen but I'm um I'm very grateful that it did like uh, regardless if it was or wasn't supposed to happen I'm very grateful of how it really kind of showed me life like you know i like like people always ask me like you know like would you change it like would you change what happened to you like would you would you live a life where you had two legs or stuff like that i'm like you know what no i wouldn't i'm very happy with what cancer has taught me and i'm very 
grateful for the things that have happened and the opportunities that, you know, having cancer has given me and just like, you know, very just like content with the results. Like I've learned so much about myself and I've learned so much about life and I've been so grateful about these little things in life that I never thought I'd, you know, be grateful for. And it's just like, it's taught me so much. It's just like, I'm like emotional. Yeah, <laughs> no, just, get, get emotional. <laughs> this is what the pod's about. Yeah. But it's just so crazy. Like, you know, how much cancer has, it's so just i'm just so happy about it you know what i mean like it's not like you know you're, you're never like you know happy about cancer but just, i'm very happy with like what it's taught me and just how the way that like the way they look at life and just the way that it's changed my perspective is the biggest thing so yeah. that it doesn't mean really like cancer like your question but like that's like the way that i look at it you know what i mean no i i love that and like sharing some wisdom i think mm-hmm. gratitude is a very interesting and like healthy and true approach mm-hmm. when it comes to talking about the journey of cancer i think being thankful for it is very like people would be like what are you talking about like no like i'm so thankful it happened to me like the Mm -hmm. lessons i've learned the people i've met like i would never have met you honestly like (laughs) i'm on this zoom like on this podcast just talking like Mm -hmm. and like acting like we just like know each other forever but i think i think that's such a great approach and i think Mm -hmm. that's something a lot of people can learn from is maybe not getting caught up in like, was this supposed to happen? Like, is this meant for me? But like, what are you going to do about it? And like, like, let's look at the good that came out of it. I love, Mm. love, love that. Um, All right. uh, Next question. What do you think? This is very broad, but what do you think is the biggest lesson that came from your journey? Ooh. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned from my whole journey is that like, I think it's very just important to like, just for anyone, honestly, just to really just like take a step back and look at everything that you've accomplished and just like, wow, like I did that. Like I've been through this, 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 and I, I did that and I'm here now. And like, look who are the person who I am today. Like, not like just for me, but just for anyone. Like I always like, I always like talk to my friends, like, like take a step back and look about the things that you've been through and just like, really like try not to overlook it. Like for me, like I was like, I overlooked cancer. I'm like, yeah, I was just cancer, whatever. But like recently, like I, I looked at like, oh my God, like I did this and I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And like, oh my God, I'm here now. And just look at the things that just like I, that I've done, like who I am as a person, just like, I like ask yourself that, like, I've done all these things. I'm here now. I've done this, this. And like, that's like the biggest thing that I've taken away from like, just look back at the things that you've done in your life and just like, wow, I am so proud of myself. And just like, I love myself for who I am. Like I've, d- I've done that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so crazy. I feel so happy thinking about that. Yeah, just like, like, like hell I like, yeah. I feel like we forget to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Just kind of like looking back on everything that we've done. So yeah, I think, I think like, that's like being, the biggest thing. Like you get so much support, but like being your own biggest fan, like mm-hmm. just taking, like what you said, like taking a step back and be like, I did that damn thing. Like I did it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I deserve <laughs> to be proud of myself. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So true. Um, next question is more like a cancer specific question, but so obviously like you are not at your five-year mark yet, but you had still have to get your routine scans. So what helps you keep you grounded in the sense of still waiting for that five-year mark and still having to get uh, those scans and having that like, what if mentality in the back of your head? Yeah. So that was the kind of like the biggest thing that people like my parents will ask me like, because my, my parents, whenever I get my scans, they always get so nervous. I'm like, why do you guys get so, like, get so nervous? Like, yeah, it's my scans. Like, you know, happens like like like, i don't want to worry about it like i could think everything like you know what if my cancer comes back like what if this happens like what if what if tomorrow's the end of the world but you know i don't want to think like that like for me like i just want to live my life like there's nothing wrong is the biggest thing that's the way i've always wanted to live it so like 
I could get cancer tomorrow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, like, you know, so hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Like knock on wood, like, <laughs> but like, you know, I'm just going to kind of just keep living my life. Like, you know, I'm not going to let, you know, these little things, like these little things of worry, can I just like affect like what's happening in my life? I'm just going to kind of keep moving forward and just, you know, keep looking towards that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. And then the next question is, how do you want to spend every single day for the rest of your life? That's very broad, but like when you wake up and you're like, you can rest, you can rest your head at night and being like, I did this today and I live like this. Like, what is that kind of mindset and mentality like for you? Ooh, for me, I, I love making people smile. Like, I feel like if I could do that in any type of day, or like if I could make someone's day, if I could like little like acts of kindness, like if I could do that, I, that makes me happy. <laughs> like, like, oh, I love that. Like, I love just like, like, so I work at a restaurant and just like making people like smile, like whatever, like stupid joke I make, or whatever, like a little way it's like, I can make them smile like that. That makes my day. I'm like, man, I made this smile. That's all that matters. <laughs> I love that answer. Oh my God. So true. If you can, it's like the little acts of kindness, really like yeah, I love you never for the rest of my day. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> Um, and then the last question I ask, I'm starting to ask all my guests. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a new thing that I'm starting. And it's what is one thing that you're trying to get better at or better yourself in some way? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, take your time. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get better at kind of just motivating myself to become better, like the, the things that I'm trying to accomplish. Like for us, like, you know, we were, we we're kind of talking about like, you know, I've been through like cancer, like I've done all this, like doing like, you know, I, c- I could push myself to this last like sprint. Like at the time, like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. <laughs> but, like, I know. <laughs> now, now, like I'm trying to think of just like, okay, like I need to, I'm trying to get better at motivating myself and trying to like push myself like those last like hard parts because like at the end of the day, like the, the way I look at it, I'm like, okay, like tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'll be fine. Like, you know, like, yes, this like little hour of practice is going to be really painful. It's going to be hard, but tomorrow I'm going to be yeah. fine. <laughs> so yeah, like, pain I'm is trying to, temporary. Yeah. Pain is temporary. I'm just trying to look at it. Like, you know, I'm just trying to look at it, just, just motivate myself in any possible way. Yeah. Especially like what one of my teammates said is like, you're going to be in more pain, regretting, not pushing yourself in those moments than you will be physically in that moment. Like, that's so true. That's <laughs> more pain is the regret, <laughs> uh, which I love. I think that's such a great little thing. Okay. Mm. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for coming on and just showing yeah, of course. And like being yourself and sharing your story. <laughs> your story is actually incredible. It's kind of like in a sense where I'm like, had to like check myself and be like, wait, like he really did that. Like he was in the 10%. <laughs> like he did that. Like he's awesome. He's two-time cancer survivor. We're getting into the five-year mark. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be along that journey with you. I'm really excited <laughs> for you. And I mean, you just shared so much wisdom and insight. And I think everyone listening is going to walk away feeling more grateful for what's in front of them and grateful for the opportunities that they do have in front of them. And just having this mindset of it's what you do about it. And, um, having that mindset of like, what can you control? Like if it's out of your control, then let's focus on what we can control. And that's attitude, mindset, positive vibes, yeah. get in through it and just being your biggest fan, which I love. I love what <laughs> yeah. you brought to that. Um, but I mean, thank you. Thank you so, so much for coming on. It's such yeah, a pleasure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm rooting for you all the way. So hope you all enjoyed this episode so much. I know I did and just have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah.